No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world, man. And we're with Tariq. At this point, like, what's your title, man? Like, what do we call you? Historian? Historian, activist, filmmaker, um, racial strategist. (laughs) You know, I have so many things. Anti-racism, anti-racism strategist, because uh, my my main objective is to counter racism. Mm -hmm. So I have so many different titles. Listen, all that. Historian. Everything, man. Tariq Nasheed is back, man. How you feeling, Tariq? I'm good, man, and I love the new joint, man. This is a beautiful spot out here. It's yeah. Good. No, I feel like the table takes away, you know, like the barrier, right, where, you know, yeah. it's more close up and personal. Yeah, it's like we're at a prison lunch counter or something. We just all gathered around, and, you know, mm-hmm. this is more, you know, late night talk show. So this is a vibe. This is a nice vibe. Yo, and people, get used to seeing Tariq, you feel me? Because, like, yeah. my plan is is to at least have him here at least once a month, you know? So, oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, you know? I'm trying to call it call it like the state of the culture. Yes. Right? Where like once a month Tariq comes and kind of gives gives some FBA straightening. Yes, indeed. We need it out here big time. We need it. We need it. Yeah, listen, okay, so let's get to it, man. Let's speak on it, man. So so pretty much uh incident happened mm-hmm. last month. Mm-hmm. And we posted up a video of this brother, American Cholo, saying saying a, a particular word, coon, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Now, he said it was out of context, et cetera, et cetera. So then, you know, they pulled up, you know, and he kind of gave gave more background. And he actually told us that that video was actually a response to something Tariq said to him. Mm. Uh, uh, and you said something like Mexican or, or some, right? That wasn't, we weren't talking about him. We we're just talking about ah, some stuff in general and we're kind of roasting. Um, the bottom line is, dude, when, when you get caught being an anti-black racist, which he is, let's just be very clear, he is an anti-black racist. He has several videos where he's denigrating black society. He's talking greasy about black people. And fortunately, many people in the Latino community, they called him out for it. So he didn't like getting called out, so he threw up a bunch of smoke screens and all of this stuff. The bottom line, he got called out for his anti-black racism. And unfortunately, in that culture, there is a strain of anti-black racism within these countries down there that they bring here that needs to be addressed. Because if we're gonna talk about black and brown unity, the, the fighting for that cannot be one-sided. It's us, foundational black Americans, usually towing the line for this black and brown narrative. It's always foundational black American organizations towing that line. None of their organizations talk about black and brown. Whenever they get something tangible for them, it's for them. <laughs> we, we're never included. <laughs> So we got to get some straightening as far as that. If we want to have a black and brown unity, it has to be a, a reciprocal thing because foundational black American organizations, we've always been fighting for the Hispanic community mm-hmm. and all marginalized people because we don't like marginalization. We don't like any type of um, discrimination, any type of bigotry with nobody. We've been at the forefront fighting for that. If you look at the NAACP, they're always fighting for Hispanic issues. Even now, the Congressional Black Caucus, fighting for Hispanic issues. Um, Hell, the damn United Negro College Fund, they got scholarships for Latinos, you see? So it's always been this one-sided thing. So instead of them bringing that racism that they practice on the black people and the black Afro-Mexicans and the Afro-Panamanians and all of the black people there, instead of bringing that racism here, learn how to get that out of the way so that we can have an equitable relationship. Yeah, now I do wanna touch on this. So. I believe a protest was done. Mm-hmm. Now, the protest came because I think American Chola went on Power 106. Right, right. To, I guess, like confront Tiger 
about the Akarama video. Now, we kind of like glossed over the Akarama video in the last interview, but can you just give one, like when you when you watch that video, do you think, I guess, they have a right to be offended by the Akarama video? And then speak on exactly like why that protest happened. Right. Um, now, with the Akarama video, only a few people kind of make noise about it, and, and the American Cholo dude made noise about it, because that was kind of a way for him to kind of throw a smoke screen up to disguise his own anti-black racism. Um, I don't think Tiger was being malicious, but Tiger was a man about it. He said, hey, if I offended somebody, my bad, you know, I'll take the video down. That's commendable. But don't have an anti-black racist up here talking about we shouldn't get reparations as black people and they shouldn't have a black national anthem playing at games. This guy's racism is way more vicious than that video where Tiger was just kind of lollygagging around. So that was the thing. People were looking at Power 106. How are you going to call somebody racist? with another racist that you're sitting here holding hands with. So that's why Power 106 got called out. One of our sisters out here organized, Connie Collins, shout out to Connie Collins. She organized the protest and made the voices known. Yeah. And that's what it was. Yeah. Now, so the Power 106 protest, like that, like kind of, that was that, right? So like, right. is there something particular, like, again, it was her protest, not yours. It wasn't but, mine. Yeah. But I supported her. I mm -hmm. supported her. But it just wasn't mine. So they had other things going on. Mm -hmm. um, I think they had other issues with the hiring at the station because um, hip-hop culture is foundational black American culture. Let's be clear. We created hip-hop, every single element of it, exclusively. And when we look at the commercialization of hip-hop now, um, especially in radio and, and other mediums, it's usually non-black people running everything and black people get shut out of something that we created. So I think part of the conversation was like, okay, how are you gonna have a hip hop station and ain't no black people working up here? Like Nick Cannon and they got rid of Big Boy, shout out to Big Boy, that was my brother, or is wow. my brother. And um, so that was one of the complaints. We have all of these hip hop radio stations and all of this stuff all around the country and they never have really a lot of black people, particularly foundational black Americans working there. Yeah. So, we're just trying to take back our culture and lay claim to our culture. Yo, we would definitely have the hip hop discussion a little bit later. Okay. Right, because okay. I've seen some cooning go, well, not even cooning, but because like they weren't really black, like Fat Joe and Buster Rhyme having yeah. it. In them, yeah. Right? Yeah. But I do want to bring it back though, because I think the discussion about the word coon mm -hmm. and why it was, I guess, derogative or wrong, that took place. But a lot of us, we really wasn't educated enough to really break it down and dissect it. Right. So could you do it for the people? Now, when a black person says the word coon, but just like the N-word, there's different meanings to it. When a black person says nigga, that means I'm a victim of white supremacy. When a non-black person says that word, that means, okay, those black people are inferior to me. So when different people use different words, it means something else. When a black person uses the word uses the word coon, we're talking about another black person or another non-white person who's working with white supremacy against non-white people, okay? That's what a coon is. I had a coon train award show some years ago. We were giving out people, we're giving awards to people like Jesse Lee Peterson. I love that show. Yeah, Sheriff way. Clark. And we're gonna, we gotta have another one sometime next year. So we're talking about an action when we say the word coon. Now, when a non-black person says the word coon like Cholo and others, they're talking about all black people. You're, they don't make no differentiation of it. He tried to clean it up talking about, well, I'm talking about you're a coon because you don't live in the ghetto. That's racist as hell. And that don't make no sense. Not living in the ghetto doesn't make you a coon. That, coon, that word coon is reserved for all black people. You're denigrating all black people. And 
dude got called out for it, and anybody who's non-black using that word towards a black person should get called out for that racist nonsense. See, we're not giving, there's a, a lot of racism coming from non-white society or non-Anglo, because a lot of people um, are people of color, but they're still classified as white. You mm -hmm. understand? Um, many East Indians, black as you and me, but if you look at their ID, it's Caucasian. They're classified as white. Kamala Harris's mother is classified as Caucasian. If you look at the really? birth certificate, yeah, look at the birth certificate. It's online. Yeah. You have a lot of Hispanic people. Damn near most Hispanics are classified as white. They classify themselves as white. A lot of times they won't be honest about that. But when you look at the paperwork, they classify themselves as white. Puerto Rico, you know, that's a black island for the most part. About 80% of the people classify themselves as white on Puerto Rico, in the island of Puerto Rico. Wow. So you have a lot of people who are people of color, but inside here, they're white. They're just a different shade of white. Mm -hmm. So they use these white supremacist terms to denigrate us, and we're calling them out for it. Yeah. You know? Now, I do want to kind of address that, though, right? Now, yeah. you know, now, during your last interview, mm -hmm. like you had the statement that went super viral. You know, I've seen a lot of like the Hispanic community were like quote tweeting and you know and, and kind of addressing you when you say there's no such thing as brown people. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Because they don't classify themselves as brown. Gotcha. What's a brown person? We're the only people running around talking about black and brown for real, for real, especially in a political sense. Again, when you look at their ID, they classify themselves as white. Let me tell you something. In the 1930s, there was a... Um, the US government started classifying Mexican people as their own race. They made Mexican its own race. One of the biggest Mexican American organizations, LULAC, they fought against that. They fought for the right to be labeled as white. They were like, no, 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 do not make us a separate race. We are white and we want to fight to be white. They fought for the right to be white. So don't get offended now. Your organizations wanted to be white and nobody had a problem with it. So own that. Don't play this three-card Monty game. When you come around us, it's a person of color, but in your mind, you still clicked up with the white supremacists. A lot of that stuff happens in prisons. A lot of the Hispanic gangs in prison, they're clicked up with the Aryans and the white supremacists and the skinheads. That's very well known. Let's bring that to the table and talk facts if we're going to have a real black and brown coalition because we can't have all of this shady stuff going on behind the damn door and then we're skinning and grinning in each other's face. If you're kicking it with white supremacists, let me know so I can just rock with you a little bit different. You feel me? Uh -huh. No, so even from like that interview too, right? So after the whole American Cholo thing, thing uh, you know, took place, I believe like a week later, mm -hmm. um, I think it's either American Cholo or a few other like Hispanic folks like started to like recirculate some clips of Tariq from Clubhouse, right? Where no, from from Twitter Space? Oh, Twitter Space, mm -hmm. <laughs> where you were going back and forth with, with a Hispanic person, and the person yeah. wasn't Hispanic. I know oh. the clip you're talking about. That person wasn't Hispanic. Gotcha. It was some East African dude who called up trying to troll, and I trolled him back. Yeah. The Twitter Spaces, those are roast spaces. We reserve that to roast each other and clown each other. They call up and clown me. I cl I clown them back. Mm -hmm. That's different from somebody sitting up here with a serious straight face talking about we gonna protest black people getting reparations. That's something else. Me yeah. ranking on somebody and they're ranking on me, that's just us joshing each other, yeah. which is nothing, that's fine. Yeah. We do that to each other. In, in the realm of comedy and roasting, 
everything is fair. Just like George Lopez, he goes on tour with black people and he does black jokes and some people get like, oh, what was that? But we, we charge it to the game because that's comedy, these are jokes. When you're doing that, Carlos Mencio, remember he had a show where he was kind of going in on black folks and people were like, uh, but hey, it's comedy, you can get away with that. So on the Twitter spaces, we're just roasting each other. That's totally different. When we're having a serious conversation about different groups getting certain beneficial things and tangible things, that's something I don't really joke around with. We, that's a whole different conversation. I've never said anything to harm Hispanic people or to take away from anything that they're getting at all, like Cholo did. Cholo is trying to get resources away from us. That's something totally different. He's trying to get hate crimes against black folks and stuff mm -hmm. like that. We don't do that type of stuff. So they're trying to make a false equivalency and smokescreen to throw up, to, to cover the fact that they have been practicing this vile anti-black racism and they have fortunately got called out for it. Um, now, I think I saw the clip you're referring to regarding reparations. Mm -hmm. So they had two arguments and the first argument was other people deserve it first. I think they named like Native Americans and right. Hispanics. Right. <laughs> the hell? Yeah. Now, and then second, like when we say, you know, well, sorry, like when uh, FBA say, yo, that ain't your business, mm -hmm. they say I'm a taxpayer, it, it is my business. So what's your response to both of those comments? Well, number one, the Native Americans did get reparations and they do get reparations. They get all types of money now, so they've already been paid. Also in some of those treaties, like the Treaty of 1866, some of those Native American tribes owe us reparations. This is in the treaties because we were enslaved by many of those tribes. Some of those tribes were working with the Confederacy, enslaving us. So Native Americans, anytime somebody says a Native American needs to get reparations. No, Native Americans, they haven't paid their bill to us. Some of the red ones, because also let's be clear, many of the Aboriginal people here were black people. All of us did not come directly from Africa. Only a small percentage of black people actually came from Africa here to North America. Many of the black people who were brought from Africa mostly went to the Caribbean, South America, Central America. Um, only about three to 6% came here. There were already black Aboriginal people here in the Americas who mixed in with the African people and got reclassified as Negro. And those became the foundation of black Americans. So we built the country from scratch. We created the primary wealth of this country. So we are supposed to get first dibs at reparations. Nobody else. Reparations is a black thing that foundational black Americans are supposed to receive. Yeah. Now, now there, now there was also like one, like one comment, and that was made, where yo, it became like a real talking point because again, like a lot of us are not equipped to really combat. Right, this. right, right. And one of those like points where yo, that black sought sought refuge, black slaves sought refuge in Latin countries. Now, one is that true? Very few did that. Very few. Not too many black people went into those Latin countries mm -hmm. because. Um, how are you going to get there? You know, you got to get on a boat and you, you run. Mm. No, most black people who were escaping from the plantations, many of them went into the swamps of America. I'm doing a movie about that now called American Maroon. Foundation of Black Americans were setting up societies in the Great Dismal Swamp in the Virginia, North Carolina area. They went down to Florida. They had all types of maroon societies down there. They became the Black Seminoles, and they waged war against the United States and basically won part of the war because they won their freedom. When they were pushed out into Oklahoma, some of the red Native Americans were trying to sneak and re-enslaved some of the, the black Seminoles. So some of them went down into Mexico and became what we, we know now as the Muscogos down there. But 
the deal they had was to protect the border. Mexico needed some people to protect the border. The black Seminoles were already whooping ass in Florida. So it was a reciprocal, equal relationship. It wasn't these poor, downtrodden black people going down into Mexico being saved. They were fighting off the hostile Comanche Indians, so they were helping the Mexican government out as much as the government was helping them. So we got to tell all of the history. Man, now one of the things that were being used to kind of, I guess, discredit you and prove that Tariq is a quote-unquote racist was, yeah. um, again, a lot of people were, I guess, quoting you, but nobody could really provide any type of video or, or like audio. And that was, they were saying that Tariq is supporting, I guess, hate crime against like the vendors. Uh, and That's they, a damn lie. Yeah. That's just a damn lie. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. So, like, they said, like, once, I guess, like, uh, once the hate crimes happened against the vendor and you came on and asked, yeah, but like, what about this? Okay, th those are yeah. people trolling, okay? Gotcha. That's just troll shit. Gotcha. And the arguments are in bad faith. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. we got to stay away from yeah, that. Yeah, of course. We got to understand when somebody's just in the comments saying some stupid shit. Oh, no, American Troller said that. Okay, he, yeah. he's a pathological yeah. liar. <laughs> yeah. He's a goddamn liar. Yeah. He's a punk and a liar. He also said, I said F Mexicans. He just says anything. I didn't say nothing like that. Gotcha. But you have to lie when you don't have any real arguments. Mm -hmm. You have to throw up smoke screens and just say anything to cover the fact that you're a hardcore anti-black racist who's being called out. And that's the bottom line of it. Man, now, you know, by past the conflict, man. Right. Black and brown unity is somewhat important. It's very important to a certain degree. It, it, yeah. When it's reciprocal. Of course. Right. How do we achieve that though we have to get people from the hispanic community to sit down and just break it all down mm -hmm. you have a lot of young people on like the tiktok and certain social media many young people now are starting to call the racism within that culture out see that's how we're going to have to get to where we need to be in hispanic society you have to call the racism in that community out and the vile anti-black racism it's deep all over latin america this middle all la rasa thing where you're supposed to improve the race by whitening up, meaning you mate with lighter people, that type of thing. That mindset is very prevalent down there because Spain, Spain was the first country to really promote systematic white supremacy. They brought white supremacy around the world because when they were fighting the Moors over there in Spain, they had these blood quantum laws that they created when they had the Inquisition and the Reconquista, meaning we're going to get these black folks out of here, and we don't want you mixing with them. And if you mix with them, you're going to be treated as an inferior, and we're going to harm you and put you into the gallows just like we do them. So they were having this reconquista where they were punishing people who had Moore's blood, if you had black blood. Moore and black were interchangeable at one point. And when they came over here, they had the same mentality. Um, white on top, black on the bottom. So that's been infused in many parts of Latino society within those families. And it was infused there first. So the black people in these countries down there in South America, they're treated horribly. When you go down to Costa Rica, they got the black people all siphoned off somewhere. Even in Mexico, the Afro-Mexicans are siphoned off somewhere. So that has to be addressed if we're going to have a real black and brown coalition. That anti-black racism has to be addressed because it's systematic. It is not equal here. We don't have anti-brown racism. That's systematic. That's why some of these people like to point to a couple of random incidents of a black person harming a vendor. That's not systematic. Most of black society, we don't co-sign you harming some innocent vendor. In fact, when those dudes down in the hood harm 
these Mexican vendors, most of the time they get disciplined by their own hood. They get DP mm -hmm. because nobody co-signs that. That's cowardly. But when something is happening to black folks like Zimmerman, like Officer Yanez who killed um, Philando Castile, we don't hear anything from these Hispanic organizations saying, hey, that's not right. So what's going on with that? If we're going to have a real black and brown coalition, y'all better call out the damn Zimmermans, call out the Officer Yanezes. Out here in L.A., there was a story in the L.A. Times last week talking about how there's so much systematic racism against black people in the workforce out here in L.A. with Latino supervisors. There's a real big thing where there's lawsuits all over the place where these Latino supervisors and people at these employment places are discriminating against black people left and right out here. So address that, and then we can have a real conversation. Definitely, man. Listen, now, now, like, like we've pretty much covered in, in all the, you know, in all the conflicts and nonsense, but now let's yeah. get to the state of the culture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Tariq, you have to make sense of a lot of this, man. Now, recently, Andrew Tate got banned. Now, mm. now I call you the godfather of the Manosphere Red Pill, where the art of the Macken, sorry, but the art of the Macken, bro, was definitely like influential in a lot of these talking points and spaces that we currently have right now from Andrew yeah. Tate, Sneeko, you know, and everybody else. Now, when you see Andrew Tate get banned first, what's your reaction to people getting banned for simply giving an opinion? And do you believe there's any type of, is there any instance where deplatforming would be okay? Now, I heard about him getting banned. What exactly was the official reason for him getting banned? They said that he broke their policy on dangerous individual slash organization. So they're saying just his opinions and and like and like ideology is very dangerous to like the social construct. Like for example, um, there were teachers coming out and saying that these like kids are now going back to school and quoting him and, and being I, I guess real mean to like their uh, you know uh, female peers, right? So they're mm -hmm. saying that just his opinions is. It's like really dangerous, and like and like his rhetoric is dangerous. Okay, now I ha I don't really listen to. I heard of him, but I don't listen to mm. him. Now I, I'm not big on deplatforming people like that because you know I'm, I'm a big First Amendment person. If you know, I, I think we should all give our opinions. If it does get malicious, if certain groups are being marginalized, because mm -hmm. eh, I've heard all types of different things, and this is why you know I like to hear for myself. Some people were saying that he was kind of promoting rape or something like that. Here, so what he said was, so, and he was on, like, this panel. Yeah. Where, and he said, women can avoid getting raped by doing certain things. And mm -hmm. and they're saying he's pretty much putting the blame on women. Oh, okay. Yeah, when you start getting into that, you know, in the Me Too era, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? So, yeah, they, they got a, they're on a wave right now, that whole Me Too crowd. So you got to be very, you know, careful about saying stuff like that. But, again, I'm not a big person on them deplatforming people. I think people should speak their opinion unless they're just being malicious and targeting um, specific people on some BS. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a First Amendment person, man. Uh, what groups would you say is okay to deplatform? Now, there's, there's like, the right-wingers, right? There's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, like, like, like uh, Ben Shapiro, but then it gets deeper, though. There's right-wingers, and then there's just outright KKK members. Yeah, yeah. So would you be in favor of deplatforming the right-wingers or... Would they have to step over the line to go into some other well, shit? Well, the thing is, man, some of those people, when you see that they're getting into a lot of this dangerous alt-right type of rhetoric and they're using these code words, now that's mm -hmm. something that you might have to kind of pull back on and, hey, push the button on them. Because they let these white supremacists get on Twitter, they let them get on YouTube and use all of these code words and set up all of these 
rallies, and then when somebody gets killed, they're like, oh my God, we didn't know. Yeah, we've been warning you about these guys. Mm -hmm. Because my thing is, us black content creators, they're always dinging our pages. The minute we call out white supremacy, all of a sudden the, the page is not monetized. They mm -hmm. took the video down. They, had a, uh, they got a, an age restriction on it. Mm -hmm. So anytime we do something, we get hit. I just got visited by the FBI. Really? Yeah, last week, I think. Was it was last week, yeah. They started asking me questions about a person who shot up a subway in New York. The person followed me on Twitter. So they're asking me, did I know the guy? Did he email me? So they're asking me little silly stuff like that. So the minute a black person does something, they're hitting up everybody's house. I seen that, yeah. You dig? Yeah. So yeah, they don't do that to these white supremacists. The only time they start getting into their business is when they done shot up 20 damn people. You know what I'm saying? Of course. So yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. No, and you even like uh, spoke on that because I think you... I, and you did like a live stream, I believe, a few days ago. Yeah. On how the Twitter misinformation, like check down, can affect black folks. Like, yeah. Yeah. So can you just speak on that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Twitter now, they have something where they're going to crack down on voter misinformation. Yeah. Because they see that voter turnout with black people is real low now because we're not getting anything. We're looking at the politicians and we're like, hey, man, if you don't give us some tangibles in the form of reparations, preferably, we're just not going to vote for you. We're not doing this symbolic stuff. We're not going to be on some, oh, y'all got a black Supreme Court. That's symbolic. We ain't doing that. Not enough. We need some tangibles. And they're doing some market research, and they see the voter um, turnout is going to be very low now. So what they're going to do is start to target black people who are calling out the political structure and possibly banning their pages or dinging their pages for telling the truth about the electoral process, meaning we have to get something. And if we tell the truth about it, they're going to punish us. So we got to be very codified with what we talk about now. Man, now Biden just gave the streets $10,000 off that student loan. Uh, <laughs> is that enough to win back the... <laughs> no, because that, that's another lift-all program. And they do this little Jedi mind trick They'll say, hey, look, guys, we're going to do something for black people. We just forgave student debt, and many of you black folks have student debt, so you can't say we didn't do anything for black people. No, you did that for everybody. Yeah. The race gap and the racial wealth gap is still here. Blacks on the bottom, other groups on top. That's what the problem is. So what they like to do is lift everybody up, so the gap is still there. We're up, but the gap is still there. So lifting everybody up don't change the wealth gap. We have to be compensated specifically as foundational black Americans because we were specifically targeted for um, demonetization. You, you understand? Yeah. So they have to chip us off very specifically. Yo, uh, speaking of, you know, like the Twitter thing, did you see like the recent YouTube video by this creator called Corey Kenshin? So pretty much he did like a video saying YouTube is racist. And, yeah. and like his examples were, so his video got age restricted. Yeah. But it got age restricted because he was playing this video game. And then towards the very end, there was a scene from the video game that, you know, that they claim is bad. So other white creators who were as big as him, because like uh, Corey got like 14 million mm, right, mm. right subscribers. Mm -hmm. So the other white creators, and he's, you know, and he told his like YouTube rep, no, like this creator here, like McGuire, he also got the same, the same scene and his wasn't age restricted. Mm -hmm. so, so then what like YouTube did was, after he sent the white boys clip and they took away his age restriction. Mm. So the Corey said, nah, this not enough. Like, why do his video have to validate me? Right, right. So the YouTube came back 
and, and gave them both age restrictions. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I kept them pushing. So do you think that YouTube got an issue with policing black creators? They do. The same people, we've been talking about this for years. Many of, of us black content creators, we're always, always, always getting dinged by the people who are working um, at YouTube. Um, they'll say that we're, our pages are getting dinged for using too much profanity, and we know we didn't use any profanity. They just do some I'm white and I say so type of stuff. The same people who work behind the scenes at YouTube, these are the same people who are on 4chan every day typing nigga, nigga, nigga. You understand? <laughs> yeah. It's the same people. <laughs> they hit us up. If we say something wrong about somebody, especially if they're white, they'll ding your page. Uh, when I go in on white supremacy, they, they'll hit me with an age restriction. YouTube has so many videos about me from these white supremacists with so much misinformation, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. These guys got videos falsely accusing me of being a murderer, drug dealing pimp with a bunch of kung fu <laughs> hoes. They, they talk about me like I'm Dolomite, yeah. if you wouldn't, wouldn't know any better. But they let that garbage stay up knowing that it's false information. But if we say something that's telling the truth about like white people or white supremacy, we get hit, you know? So mm. racism is in every level of activity that we participate in. Yo, speaking of racism, now, yeah. this why I definitely want to connect you with this guy called Jideon. Now, mm -hmm. Jideon, he's also like a YouTuber, he's a streamer. Okay. So as of lately, there's been this new Red Pill Awakening mm -hmm. among kind of like the gamers and the streamers with like a, a, a like, like a bunch of influence, right? So now they're doing like more so a quote unquote based, woke, you know, Red Pill panels. And they're inviting on like the other side mm. to, you know, like to a kind of counter, you know, a quote unquote debate with. Mm. But they, but you know, and they probably get into some trolling though. Do, do they get into some trolling? Nah, 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 right. But like, here's the difference though, right? Is they're not equipped yet with like the knowledge. Right. Like, for example, there was this guy who was on called Nick Fontes. Mm hmm. Now, Wait, Nick Fuentes? Yes, him. Nick. <laughs> All right. Now, listen, you know, right, but like, here's the dangers of it, right? Because JD, he's, and he's 21 years old. Yeah. And he's a gamer. Uh, I think Sneeko, too, is 21, 22 years old. Mm -hmm. So they are not really equipped with the knowledge to really like go back and forth with a guy like Nick, Nick, Nick Fuentes. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. Nick Fuentes is. He's a suspected white supremacist. Nick <laughs> has been trying to get me on his platform for the longest. Yeah. I won't go because what happens is. When you start debunking them, he immediately starts trolling, and that's his way out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's not, he doesn't argue in good faith. That's what a lot of these suspected white supremacists do. When you're trying to have a serious discussion about racism, they immediately get into trolling, and that's their escape hatch. So it's a waste of time. Their job is to start wasting your time. So yeah, that's not a good example. Yeah, right. You know, so you know, so that's why I definitely want you to you know to like kind of like be. A part of that community, right? Right, right. right? Uh, the young streamers, listen, like, because these guys, like, they all got, like, four or five million subs on the up. Oh, yeah. My kids uh, watch these up, right? black dudes yeah. on there. Yeah, they love that stuff. It's funny. Of course, know, man. Them. Now, Nick Fuentes also says some wild stuff stuff, and on there, right? Mm -hmm. And he said that the bell curve proves <laughs> that black folks are dumber than any other race. Right, right, right. And can you just, like, respond back to that? Wait, the bell, the bell curve has been debunked so many <laughs> yeah. times. Um... Yeah, I had a debate where I smoked Jared Taylor and basically ran him off social media, <laughs> yeah. debunking that nonsense, that that black IQ is lower stuff. Um, that's that eugenics, neo-Nazi talk. Yeah. And uh, as I said to him, I said the black people's IQs were so low, why would there be such a need for systematic deprivation? 
If we are so dumb, why do y'all have a system where you have to take from dumb people? If we're so dumb, you can give us the best of everything. And we <laughs> yeah. still wouldn't make it, right? Absolutely. If there's a person who has mental disabilities, you don't take stuff from that person if they are so mentally incapable. You don't create a system of Jim Crow where this person cannot get the proper schooling, the proper education. You have to house them in prisons and beat on them. Why are you beating on a person who's mentally not up to par? What does that say about you if that's the real narrative? They know it's BS. They have to use narratives like that to justify their own inferiority complex as white supremacists. Mm -hmm. So we have to know the truth behind a lot of that stuff. You see, like with, with Nick, it's kind of crazy, right? Because he's kind of like the one argument for deplatforming, right? Because right. And by the way, yeah. what's his last name? Fuentes. Uh, uh, he's a white Hispanic. You see I, what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. He's Hispanic. <laughs> so that's, is that our black and brown? Is that the black and brown coalition? You see? Yeah, yo, because he did say he was like Mexican. Like, yeah, he's Hispanic. Uh, that's why his name is Fuentes. A lot of the dudes in the alt-right are Hispanic. Oh, a lot wow. of the, um, Terrio, um, Enrique Terrio, the dude um, with the Proud Boys, mm -hmm. dark-skinned Cuban, wow. you dig? A lot of these dudes with the Proud Boys are white Hispanic dudes who have these vile, vile views about black people. It's crazy. Man. So where's the black and brown coalition? You see, that has to be addressed yeah. within their community, you dig? That's true. Well, like, and they might say that somebody like Nick, like Nick Fuentes, like he's so white passing that he's not even like a part of the community no more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> His name is still Fuentes, it's, it's all right? True. And there's a lot of people who are so-called white passing. Hell, J-Lo is white passing if you doll her up right and do mm -hmm. her hair right, you dig? Yeah. Back in the day, you know, she she had a, a nigris look to a certain degree. <laughs> After, now that's after, gone. Now that's gone. No, notice <laughs> that starts, you know, disappearing. The yeah. rapper Pitbull, if you look at old pictures of him, he looked like a light-skinned DeBarge member. You yeah. know, he had the braids and everything. Now you look at him, you know, he, he he's looks, gone. Yeah, he's like a regular white man now. You know? Nah, man. Yo, you know, but like, with like Nick, right? Now, here's where I kind of, here. So like, before this, I probably would have said, do not de-platform Nick. Right. Even now, I'm still like, don't deplatform him, right? But, but like, I became, okay, he's just not funny. He's dangerous. Cause when I heard her, her, like, of this clip of him saying, um, I'm not gonna, you know, be bold and open when I go on these, like, certain platforms, mm -hmm. I, you know, I have to kind of like hide, right, you know, a portion of like my stance because, mm -hmm. you know, I still have to get support. So I'm like, if he's coming into this with the intention to hide certain stances that he has, that's like white nationalism, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just to garner support, then why are we having Nick Fontes right. on? That's the whole thing. Their whole thing is these, look, many white supremacists like Nick and other, or suspected white supremacists like Nick and others that we see on social media, especially on the 4chan, these are the losers of white society, really. I mean, some of these guys who are just sitting around yelling nigga, nigga, nigga all day. These are people who really couldn't cut it. So to make themselves feel better, they say, well, at least there's another group of people that I can beat up on and society will back me up. Mm -hmm. Usually these people who really don't have any talent, um, what's that other guy, Louder with Crowder, he was a very unfunny Stephen comedian. Stephen Crowder? Yeah, Stephen Crowder, he was a failed comedian. And a lot of these suspected white supremacists, they tried to do other things and they failed miserably. And they understood, hey, there's a, 
a little market of white supremacists that you can pander to by spewing anti-black racism. So what the Nick Fuentes's and the Crowders, these guys spew that anti-black racism, they monetize these platforms, there's a loser contingency that sits up and hate on black people all day, and that's where they get their little trinkets from. So that's all it is. It's just a little jive-ass money grab. Now, who are the closest allies to black folks? Because when we even, like, speak on this, like, like, we speak on a lot of other races, I guess, like, going against, right? But, like, you know, like, who's the closest allies? Now, I watched, you know, I watched, like, Hidden Colors one where Mm -hmm. it spoke on, like, the Sand tribe, like, the Super tribe, where it's kind of, like, like, the Asians are kind of, like, descendants of them, right? Because they got the same, like, facial structure. Yeah, yeah. So... Are the Asians our closest allies? Like, who's the closest allies of black folks? No. Asians, no. <laughs> they, they do not ally with us. Asian, in Asian culture, they go out of their way to not do business with us unless it's us buying from them. Yeah. There's something that's hardcore in their culture. You don't ever um, patronize a black business. Mm-hmm. And the, the anti-black racism over in the Asian countries, it's just as bad as the anti-black racism in the um, Hispanic countries. Mm-hmm. And as we see now... Um, when Peter Liang a few years ago shot a brother named Akai Gurley, Peter Liang was a, an Asian cop. He shot this innocent brother. The Asian community got together to support him. Wow. All of these Asian organizations had marches. Don't send him to jail for shooting that black person. That shows you the allyship that they have with us. There is no allyship. And the thing is, it was foundational black Americans who were the main ones supporting Asians over here. During Vietnam, there was, and even World War II, you have the Yellow Peril, where white society was demonizing Asians. Mm. They were portraying Asians with the eyes and the buck teeth and all of these very negative stereotypes. It was foundational black Americans saying, hey, no, don't, don't harm these people. Remember, Muhammad Ali, that man risked his career to shut down the whole thing about the Vietnam War. He said, I'm not going to go over there and harm those Asian people, they didn't do anything to me. Those are my brothers. This foundational black American put, he was on the top of his game, put his career on the line to not harm Asian people. None of them would do that for us. (laughs) They wouldn't do that for us. The Black Panthers were going over there. Hey, leave these people alone. This war, this is an unjust war. We were fighting for them. When Asians came over here, we were the ones supporting those karate movies Mm -hmm. in the black community. Come on, we, we see that you're marginalized. We'll support your movies. When you bring your businesses over here, they were going to black neighborhoods. We were supporting their businesses. When Bruce Lee came over here, white people weren't messing with Bruce Lee. He was up there in the Bay with black people. His first students were black. Chilling. You see? Yeah. We were rocking with them, and we still patronize their businesses. We still, we're their economic base. You go to any nail shop, we're the economic base. It's never reciprocal. That's not an allyship. That's exploitive when it's not reciprocal. We don't really have allies. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us are waking up now saying, hey, man, we can't keep having these one-sided relationships with all these other groups who we we create an economic base for them, and then they turn around and then attack us. So we're getting some straightening going on with that. You see, like the Asian argument is kind of like, it's like back and forth because, and you got the, you know, the quote-unquote, Asian hate crime bill where people are saying that they are in, you know, oppressed minority, but then you have like these like stats coming out where they're doing so well, right? Yeah. You know, so would you consider Asians an oppressed minority? They are an oppressed minority, but Mm -hmm. the thing is you got to understand this. White society 
the white supremacists, they create these buffer groups, you see? And white has to be on top, black on bottom, and then they elevate his white Hispanics, white Middle Easterners, and then right above them, the, the Asians. Mm -hmm. um, they've always had, especially the white supremacists, this somewhat allyship to a certain degree with Asians as long as they practice anti-black racism too, mm -hmm. you see? That's why a lot of people, when they get over here, the first thing they start doing is yelling nigga, nigga, nigga. They come over here with their anti-black racism jokes in order to get in good with the dominant white society. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing, man, we have to understand the buffer. We're not equal as minorities because we think black people, we got this thing where y'all y'all not white, so you must understand white supremacy is a problem like I understand it's a problem. Other people don't think like us. Yeah. Other people don't have a problem being number two. Mm. You understand? Yeah. We, we don't want to be number two. We don't want to be on the bottom. This is why everything we do, everything we create, we try to rise to the top and we have to be pushed back down to the bottom. Mm. Other groups have no problem being under white supremacy and black people need to realize that. Now, when y'all don't want to be under white supremacy no more, let's talk about some real coalitions because these coalitions are not real coalitions. You have all of these other non-black groups and non-white groups really trying to assist the white supremacists against harming us. That's where we get the Nick Fuentes's and all of these people from. No, listen, absolutely. Now, with the Asians, so I believe they have the highest medium um, income for like um, per like per uh, household, right? So. Mm -hmm. They're not being oppressed in the income division because they're good, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say are certain aspects that Asians might be, you know, I guess like... Well, the uh, thing is, see, they're, they're allowed. See, we got to understand this. When we start talking about <laughs> yeah. certain groups who are doing well financially, you are allowed to do good financially mm. to a certain degree. I hate when people try to compare these other groups and create the model minority myth. Yeah. Asians... And their businesses are not targeted like black businesses. Of course not. Black businesses are targeted. Whenever we do good, all of a sudden we get the health department. All of a sudden, some shooter shows up and kills the owner. You know, when we start doing good, we get all types of um, fines and certificates and all types of um, political injunctions thrown on us all across the board. The, in the, the Asian businesses, they can be serving rat meat, bat stew, all types of stuff, they never get shut down. The place can be dirty, filthy, they never get shut down, they never get fined. They're allowed to run these businesses as janky as they wanna run them for decades. So it's a different dynamic, they are allowed. And also, many of their businesses are allowed to have illegal activity go on in them. Those massage parlors, you know they're in there doing something strange for a little piece of change. You understand? Absolutely. You know, so we know what goes on in these spots, yeah. but they are allowed, the key word is allowed to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. you know? Man, listen, like, um, absolutely, man. Now, let's actually, like, switch gears, yeah. right? So, Fat Joe, Busta Rhymes, there's this discussion. Now, I actually seen your live stream last night. Bro yes. Brilliant, brilliant, Thank brilliant live so stream, much. man. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, again, for folks who don't know, wait, like, go to Tariq Radio, right? Tariq Radio, right here on YouTube. Tariq Radio. Man, brilliant live stream, man. Now, I'm not even sure if, if uh, that live stream was a direct response to Fat Joe and Busta Rhymes, right? Yeah. But... You know, there's been this whole debate recently regarding the origins of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Now, Fat Joe came out and he recently said that Latinos, you know, in, in the Bronx had had 50-50 hand in creating hip hop. Even Buster Rhymes said hip hop was created by Puerto Ricans and blacks. Mm -hmm. So what are your take? Why are people trying to lay claim to hip hop? Right. Um, that claim Fat Joe is making is absolutely false. 
blacks and Latinos did not create 50-50 hip hop. It wasn't equal at all. Not only that, because Busta Rhyme, he went out, he's going around here saying, well, hip hop started in Jamaica and Jamaicans brought hip hop to black people here in America. That's a damn lie too. Not only is that a lie, there is no, there are zero influences from Caribbean culture on hip hop's creation. Zero. And absolutely no correlation with Latino culture, Puerto Rican in particular, to the creation of hip hop. Just zero. Hip hop is a foundational black American creation. It comes from foundational black American culture. All of the elements of hip hop were already there. Um, the dances that would become breaking, you had dancers in the 50s, 60s, 40s, 30s. Hell, there's footage of black people dancing in the late 1800s doing moves that would e evolve into breakdancing moves. We were already rapping. You had people like Pigmeat Markham doing records in the 60s where he's rhyming in four bar increments, which is what rap music evolved into. You also had DJs in the Bronx who were extending breakbeat records before Cool Herc, and that's not to take anything away from Cool Herc because they like to say he created the break extension. No, you had D, um, Grandmaster Flowers, Pete DJ Jones, other DJs extending breaks. Graffiti, that was started by a foundational black American in Philly in the 60s named Cornbread. Tagging your name around the city in an artistic fashion, that's what graffiti came out of. All of the elements of hip hop was already there. Had nothing to do with no Puerto Ricans, nothing to do with Jamaicans. They try to put it on Jamaicans because Cool Herc is Jamaican, but Cool Herc, when he came over here, he was becoming Americanized. He was doing what he saw the foundational black Americans were doing. These are his words. He didn't play reggae music. His words. Mm -hmm. He said he didn't play it. So when people lie on him, we just pull up his quotes and his interviews of him saying, nah, I wasn't playing that stuff. Hip-hop is a 100% foundational black American creation. And the Latinos, when you talk to some of the early pioneers, they say, well, no Latinos out here breaking with us in the early days. The Latinos weren't at these jams with us. Pointing to some random Latino who wandered into a party somewhere, you're not going to make him a co-creator. You understand what I'm saying? Well, there was this guy, and now here's their biggest, you know, here's their biggest argument. DJ Charlie Huss, I think. Charlie Chase. DJ yeah. Charlie Chase, I think he was with the Cold Crush. He was just one Puerto Rican dude. He wasn't an innovator or creator. He was just one Puerto Rican dude yeah. <laughs> you did, who was doing what the black people were doing. That is not an innovator 50-50. See, they make these real weird false equivalencies. Again, there were only a couple of Puerto Ricans around the black people in the Bronx during the formation of hip hop because most of the Puerto Ricans in the Bronx, according to many of the brothers and sisters who were there, they were racist against black people doing it. They were like, that's nigga music, that's jungle music. What are you doing? That's that Moreno stuff, you're spinning on your head. That's nigga shit. They were hating on it. I'm not giving nobody some credit for something that they were hating on. No, they are not the creators of hip hop and that has to be straightened out. If we talk about the origins of hip hop, we gotta start looking into the Carolinas. That's the real untold origin of hip hop. If you look at many of the legends, a lot of them, the influencers and the, the early participants, they have roots in the, in the Carolinas. Let's go to James Brown, because everybody says that it was James Brown's breaks that was really the foundation of hip hop. He's from South Carolina. Pig Meat Markham, who made a couple of records in the 60s that would evolve into what we know as rap, he's from North Carolina. Um, Disco King Mario, who's an unsung hero of hip hop, a, a, an early originator nobody ever talks about, he was from North Carolina. DJ um, um, Coke Rock, MC Coke Rock, um, Cool Herc's MC, 
his family's from North Carolina. Grandmaster Cass, his family's from South Carolina. Um, Melly Mel, his family's from North and South Carolina. You had um, one of the first female MCs, Shy Rock, who was in the Bronx. She was born in North Carolina. You had the group The Sequence, which was the, the first successful female rap group with Angie B. They're from South Carolina. So we have to look into the real history and tell the real story. That's why I'm doing a documentary about that now. Woo! Yes, we're doing, we're going to get all of this bullshit yeah. straight. Because right. you know what the thing is, next year, and I talked about this last night, next year is the anniversary, the 50-year anniversary of hip-hop. That's why everybody wants to That's why everybody's really laying claim now. Gotcha. Everybody's laying claim because there's licensing deals all <laughs> on TV. Also, 2024, breakdancing is going to be in the Olympics. Wow. You see? So <laughs> oh. hip hop is going to be all over. It's going to be a mass commercialization of hip hop. So you got these people trying to lay claim now. Mm -hmm. So when they start coming to the hip hop experts, you're like, hey, look at me. I'm a Latino. Mm -hmm. I, we started it. So come to us. Give us some of those endorsements. So mm -hmm. this is a money grab and they're trying to get in early on it. We got to give props to the real pioneers of this stuff. Yeah. Now, speaking of hip hop, there was a viral thing going on with this rapper called Swifty Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, his comments, uh, now, when he went ahead and stated that he wouldn't sign to no blacks, and if his brothers don't want no black business, there won't be no black business, right? So here, here was my take, and people called me a coon and uneducated, right? Mm -hmm. I said, as black folks, I would want our mindset to be exactly like his. Mm -hmm. Meaning, we not signing to the white man. Mm -hmm. We not signing, right, like, like, we're holding that wealth from within. Mm -hmm. So when I see him having the same mindset, I'm not really too put off about it, right? Because I wish that a Drake would have that mindset, a Wayne would have that mindset, a Jay-Z would have that but mindset. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with that Swifty Blue yeah. thing. That Again, that goes into that anti-black racism. That ain't got nothing to do with the white man because Swifty Blue will <laughs> sign with a white man. They have no problem. He would go sign with a white man. The problem is doing it with a black man. Gosh. That's anti-black racism. That ain't about ownership. Gosh. That's about that anti-black racism and folks <laughs> rightly called it out. You see, yeah. again, ain't going to be no black and brown coalition until that type of anti-black racism is dealt with. But black people... We wouldn't have no problem signing to a Hispanic person who's running a label because there are Hispanic people in some of the, the music labels right now. And yeah. nobody, no, we're doing good business. That's fine. We ain't tripping on that. But only when it comes to working with a black person, then all of these little hangups and all of this stuff pops into play based on anti-black racism. Mm -hmm. it's, there's always this thing where you're, you're supposed to economically undermine black people. We're supposed to support everybody, but they are not supposed to support us. That has to change. Yeah. But speaking of hip hop, let me get to the AI rapper F and Mika. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, so what was your first, I guess, reaction once you like, like once he came on your radar? Yeah. When I saw that, I said, "This is gonna be. <laughs> this is like um, a robot Takashi." Yeah. Okay. They got this person up here clowning, and I said, "I, I already know where it's going." And right when I thought that, I saw <laughs> it was yell, it was yelling, "Nigga, nigga, nigga." I said, "Okay." So. They had a, a robot coon. This is basically a, a robot AI coon to do all the dirty work for the yeah. white supremacists. And they can say, oh, at least it's a robot. It's AI. I don't, I don't have control of it. Yeah. So they always do that. They program certain machines and um, apps to do certain things, and they infuse it with racism. You know some of these automatic cars that they have? They did a study, and they showed that many of these automatic cars, these self-running cars, Percentage-wise, they run over more black people. <laughs> How the fuck does a robot car run niggas over? 
<laughs> if somebody didn't program that shit to do it. You did? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. So yeah, they yeah. programmed this stuff in and then they kind of step back. Oh God, what happened? Oh, the man. car ran over eight niggas? Oh God, <laughs> we have to tweak something in the battery. No, they programmed it to do that type of shit, man. man. So that's what it is. Man. Yo, speaking of that, have you seen that funny ass video where it was like the turtles? And like they put put like put like a a a, a white like like a white shoe here, and a turtle would be fine. And then they put put like a black like Air Force here, yeah. and turtle would like just like attack the black shoe. Oh, I haven't seen. That. Oh man, I haven't seen that. Yo, That's, it's hilarious. I, I have to, and they probably put something in the shoe to to make it do that. They probably put some food or some shit in there. Yeah. Yeah, white supremacists love doing little <laughs> little weird shit like that for TikTok views. You know? Man, now right with the AI. You know, with an FM Mika. Now, do you fear, though, that if these AI rappers become a thing, that that might, like, like, for example, like, that might kick out, you know, like, for example, if Columbia Records could just program Mm -hmm. a a rapper to say nigga and make so... Again, because, like, that, like, you know, like, that AI rapper made its, its, like, own songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you fear that that might take away from Blacks... Yeah, absolutely. That's what they want to do. They, mm. they want to do that. I, in the last movie I did, Buck Breaking, we talked about transhumanism. They got this thing where they're going to try to mesh humans with AI, with robots. They've been working on this. Elon Musk, a lot of these people have been working on this. And this is exactly what they're doing. You can control robots infused with human characteristics. You can control that easier. Uh, an AI rapper, if you program it, you get somebody to write the songs and just give it to some robot or some AI. This AI rapper, they're not going to branch off and start their own label. They're not going to use their fame against the the power structure yeah. like a lot of black artists would do. Like Michael Jackson, that man used his fame to to go against the system. Mm-hmm. They don't want that. The, the AI rapper is not going to come up there yelling about where's my royalties. Oh, you you dig? You can control that because that's something that you created. You created your own robot. So, yeah, that's where they want to go with this. This is why they're taking the soul out of music. Music don't have the same soul and the same energy it had. That's why they programmed. They got all of this stuff where everybody's singing with auto-tune, rapping with auto-tune. There's not really a, a spirit in the music. And if they keep doing that, you won't know the difference between somebody singing with auto-tune or an AI robot rapping. Absolutely. You know? But speaking of bug breaking, there's yeah. been this new, I guess, kind of theory going on where is, you know, men in 2022 are being fed these, like, you know, like these, like, images and being programmed to be more feminine. One, do you think that men are being pushed in a direction of being more feminine right now? Mm-hmm. And two, if they are... What's the overall goal of it? Because it just can't be just to like make niggas gay because there like there has to be a step two and three. Mm-hmm. Once we make them feminine, now what? Yeah. The VMAs happened last night. There were so many dudes on the red carpet with dresses on mm-hmm. and skirts on and dudes on stage kissing. Bad bunny. It, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not a conspiracy. This stuff is really going on. You see it all over with Disney shows. They got stuff on there that's so inappropriate for kids. They're starting off with kids. They want to emasculate men because you can control an emasculated man. He's not going to be a, a domineering thinker. If you can effeminize a man and make him more feminine, you can control that man because that effeminized man, if you're effeminate, you're going to look for a domineering masculine figure and that would be the state. 
that would be the corporations who tell you this is what you need to do. You need to do this. You don't need to do this. You need to put down your guns. You need So yeah, you're going to look for a, a masculine figure if you're already effeminized. So that's what they want. You can control mm. effeminized people better. No, man, facts, right? Yeah, like, so after like, I watched like Bug Breaking, again, there were some YouTube coons talking about Bug Breaking never happened was the thing. Now, it's funny enough, because the guy who was kind of like, kind of like, combating like your video yeah he 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 calls himself a rainbow pastor right he's mm -hmm. a <laughs> right right so he's well, a, is he white or black black okay okay a black rainbow pastor and he was saying there's no historical proof that buck breaking ever happened okay it is proof you can look at the diaries of um thomas thistlewood in jamaica where they talked about sodomizing the black males and also some of the stuff that, because he's one of the few slave owners who actually talked about what he did and what was done on the plantation. They had something called Derby's Dose where he would get one slave to defecate in the mouth of another slave and then sew the mouth up and keep the defecation in the mouth for two or three days. The shit that they were doing on these plantations, just the sexual thing, that's just, a, that's lightweight compared to some of the other stuff. You think these folks weren't raping these men on these plantations? Of course they were. They were doing it in Africa, we talked about that in buck breaking. See, when we talk about buck breaking, they, a lot of the trolls and the white supremacists, and the white supremacists have a problem with the film because we went into white supremacist culture. Mm. We went deep. We went all into European <laughs> culture, the Greco-Roman culture. If you go over there now, you see them bending each other over the men. Zesty. Yeah, they were doing all types of stuff to each other over there. The minute they got in contact with the black people around the world and started to conquer, they started to sodomize the men and sexually um, um, exploit the women. But the thing of, of them sodomizing the men and sexually exploiting the men, that's something that's never talked about. Even when the, the white Arabs went into Africa, they were creating eunuchs of the men, castrating them and using them as sexual concubines. So this is very well documented. See, buck breaking is not just what happened on the plantation. Mm -hmm. The buck breaking happened all across the board throughout European history in contact with black people. And the buck breaking is still going on now. Even when they were lynching black people, that was a homoerotic thing within itself. All of these white males gazing at a naked black man mm -hmm. hanging in a tree, fighting with each other on who gets to cut his genitals off and take them home. Mm -hmm. you, you, you see? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's nasty. So that's, you think these folks weren't raping people on a plantation if they're doing all of this other stuff on of film? Of course they were. Yeah, yeah? man. You see... Listen, so even even after I seen like that Rainbow Pastor video, yeah, I, I commented, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. And I got blocked right away, mm, man. Mm, <laughs> right. Mm, so mm. now Now is he yeah. is he LGBT probably? Rainbow Pastor if he's now he claims he's not LGBTQ, but his like his entire his entire platform and like life's work was like making sure LGBTQ people are comfortable in like Christianity. Yeah, he, he must be LGBT. Yeah. And and there's a lot of black folks who don't want to come to terms with the fact that, hey, these white people, they've sexually dominated you and they've effeminized you. you know? and, and that movie probably touched a nerve with them, so they come up with all of these crazy smoke screens. But yeah, we have to come to terms with the fact that, hey man, systematic white supremacy, and our good sister, Dr. Frances Chris Welsing, talked about this in her book. Mm -hmm. She said white supremacy, because it's such a dominating um, force and it controls so many aspects of your life, and it attacks the black male so much, and it attacks the black male based on sexuality, it is designed to effeminize you. That sister said in the 70s, pretty soon we're gonna see a bunch of black men, we, we see some black men sagging, 
the sagging pants are going to come off and we're going to see black men in dresses. Look at what we're looking at on these award shows. Man. Every other day on television, we're seeing a black man sashaying around in a dress. They got shows like P-Valley, all of these shows where black men running around in dresses, having sex with each other. That sister was 100% on point with what she was talking about. Man, yo, how do you find time? Yo, like, like <clears throat> one, how do you find time to do someone's research and just know so much about everything? But just reading, man, just reading. And I look at the world as a universe, man. The... The, the universe is a school. That's why they call it a university. Yeah. You have to study everybody and you have to look at patterns, man. And I want to study and know everything that's going on. Yeah. You know? Man, listen, your macking days, you probably <laughs> took down the baddest, man. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I was the Mac with the cheese back in the damn day. <laughs> Yo, now speaking of women, man, so you actually like reacted to this video of this, I guess, like female therapist on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Comment yeah. black man. Well, one, can you just like explain like more about that? So what did she say? You know? Yeah, there was a, a female therapist who looked like she was having some kind of breakdown on her own. She was talking about how black men, y'all niggas need to go to therapy <laughs> with your sad ass and y'all stop being a scared, stop being afraid to express yourself. Dumb. Yeah. So she was really going in on black men and a lot of people, the video went viral. So people like contacting her job, you dig? And she ended up getting fired. Yeah. And she got on Social media, y'all niggas got me fired. Fuck all y'all niggas, you sad nigga. I'm trying to help y'all bitch ass nigga. So she really has a bug in her ass about black men. And a person like that, you should be fired. Mm -hmm. Nobody should go to a person like this who's a licensed therapist, mm -hmm. who's talking crazy like that. Mm -hmm. So she probably got real comfortable around those white people and probably heard some nigga jokes and started cock-con and kick in mm -hmm. and thought she was safe. So she thought she, she could get online and denigrate black men and people push back. And it was black women pushing back too, mm -hmm. which I respect because there's a lot of sisters, you know, they have fathers, they have brothers, they have sons, and they don't want no psycho like that potentially being the therapist of their son. So yeah, we got to do some straightening when we have psycho people like that running around here. Now, I was on a panel with this lady called Carrie. Okay. And on the panel, she says, black men have done nothing but hurt us. I feel more safe around a, around a, a society being ran and led by Asians. Now, when you hear that, first off, I can't even like, like intellectualize that mm -hmm. bullshit. But, but when you hear shit like that, what's your like first reaction? Number one, that sounds like a person who's non-FBI. <laughs> Number one, when they start talking like that, that's a person probably from some some country where Asians are over there dominating already. You know what I'm saying? I can almost <laughs> guarantee it. The foundational black American woman would say no stupid shit like that. So a lot of people, and we go into this too, we got a lot of people who are black, but they're non-FBA, and they come over here with a lot of their insecurities that they try to project onto us mm -hmm. because they couldn't handle those things over there back in their homeland. If you go to Africa in certain parts, and I know you're from Liberia, yeah. right? In certain parts of Africa, man, you got Asians over there running and they're the uh, minority and they're over yeah. there smacking folks around. You know what I'm saying? In Kenya, I saw some shit with some Asians. With Sarah Lode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about yeah. <laughs> kick the nigga, whoop the nigga, yeah. took the like took like the metal hat off and kicked him off the Yeah. So crazy. when these women see their men get beat up by an Asian minority, they come over here like, hey, I, I wanna get with some Asian men. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that they need to fix back home. Yeah. You dig? Man, definitely, man. Yo, Tariq, man, listen. It was a pleasure to have you, man. Yo, yes, listen, indeed. I'm trying to do this at least every month. You feel Absolutely. me, man? Right? We can do that. Absolutely. Yo, listen, man. So one. 
What should the folks look out for? I think you just said you actually got a hip hop documentary coming out. As yeah, well. we're gonna start working on that next month, man. It's going. I'm, we're, we're trying to come up with a name for it. Mm -hmm. Y'all in the audience, help me with a name for this new documentary talking about the real history of hip hop, mm -hmm. um, where it really came from. None of that that Jamaican Latino stuff. None of these lies. We got to stop that stuff because it's disrespectful to foundational black American culture. Mm. So we're going to start working on that next month. Right now, we are um, finishing up on the American Maroon documentary. That's almost done. Mm. That will um, be out probably early next year. The museum, the Hidden History Museum, we're working on closing the deal on that now. And then we're going to start the renovations of that. We got a museum out here in Los Angeles that we're getting where we're going to have real history there. So we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, uh, my book, Foundation of Black American Race Bader, you can get that on Amazon or officialfba.com. Yeah, man. Yo, even with the museum, man, bro, like, again, another panel, I had to tell, again, like a great friend of mine called Stargate. Mm -hmm. I said, bro, it's been less than a year. Like, if that, bro, like, why is it, again, like, again, like when black folks give their money to white folks, it's a, uh, yo, like, they mm -hmm. are patient as a motherfucker. Yeah, real talk, real talk, <laughs> but, real talk. But, the black man who has a history of delivering on projects mm -hmm. who are funded. Mm -hmm. Again, like you have done fundraisers in the past before and you've always, you know. Every single project. Why are Negroes so, so like, like so impatient? Um, it's it's really a bad faith argument. Again, mm -hmm. usually, and we we got a running joke about it, like, hey, where's that museum, nigga? Because yeah. usually it's non-FBA <laughs> dudes doing that. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of non-F. Even when we were doing the crowdfunding last year, mm -hmm. we didn't even get the money yet. We're still, they were like, where's that museum, nigga? I said, oh, Lord, y'all. It's trolling. Coons. Yeah. It's just coon troll yeah. shit because a lot of them feel insecure that foundational black Americans, us in such small numbers, got that much money in such a short period of time. Yeah. And over where they're from, it's a gazillion niggas, and they couldn't get on code and get shit popping like that. So that's a jealousy thing that they need to get over, mm -hmm. and they need to start getting on code back home. Man. Here, like, you got one of the biggest haters in, in, in the world, and he's this nappy Jamaican nigga. Mm. Again, I'm not calling him nappy because, like, that's his name, nappy. Oh, wow. I've never yo, heard Yo, bro, him. listen, yo, get the hate. Bro, get the hate out your blood, man. But Tariq, <laughs> man, it's been a pleasure, man. Man, my man. No exactly. jumper, coolest podcast in the world. We're out of here, man.